Was Elizabeth Zott based on a real person? Does Harriet get the justice she's been seeking? How did Calvin Evans rise to the success he did so quickly? Will Elizabeth and Mad be okay on their own? Find out as Red and Red Real Reviews heads into the lab to dissect Apple TV's Lessons in Chemistry. And welcome back in to episode seven, lucky number seven, some might say, <laughs> of Red and Red Real Reviews. Uh, this one, here we go again, another limited series. <laughs> uh, this one, I thought, I, I caught this one being promoted because Apple TV does their, their promotional banners really well. They like uh, push the shows a lot. And... Going into the show, I kind of like okay, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a biopic or biopic. How do you say it? <laughs> I yeah, I don't know. I think it's uh, data, data, tomato, tomato kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> data, data. I like that. Um, and so I, I kind of like saw it. It looked like a documentary, docu series, what have you, based on real based on real story kind of deal. And I was like, okay, so I listened to it. I'm like, oh, I don't know these names. So I get a couple episodes in, and I'm like, okay, this is really good. And I'm like, I still don't know these names. I got to look this up. I got to research this. And I'm looking, and like, there's no real person named Elizabeth Zott. There's no real person named Matt Zott. There's no real person named Calvin Evans. So what what was your thought when you started watching Lessons in Chemistry? Uh, I mean, I... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I I think I thought the same as you. I was an episode or I think it was one or two episodes in before I actually Googled, is Lessons in Chemistry a true story or based on a true story? And, you know, come to find out it's this fiction book kind of about the times, but not really about any specific person. Like, I don't think there really was an Elizabeth Zott and... I it's funny because before I looked that up, I was telling my husband's grandma, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm watching this show. There's a um because her name is Harriet. And I'm like, there's a character named Harriet. And you know, it's this lady that has a, a cooking show and and she's like, Oh, what show is it? Like, what cooking show is it? Thinking, you know, she remembered it from history. Oh, and I was like, yeah. Oh, I don't know. And then, you know, come in the meantime, I found out it's not even a real <laughs> situation. So yeah, I was kind of duped. I thought it was a real, a real person, a real situation. And, um, you know, some thoughts I had when I first started watching it, you know, I see in the credits, it was executive produced by Brie Larson and Jason Bateman. So I was like, Oh, that's interesting. And then that catchy theme song that is fire. Like it's probably the only theme song I don't fast forward besides Law and Order SVU. Like, like that's a good one to watch, but it was so catchy. I just had it in my head for hours after watching the show. <laughs> and then, you know, I started seeing all these famous faces. So the, the woman who plays Harriet, she was Michaela from How to Get Away with Murder. So that this was a, a chance to see her in a more serious role. And then Dr. Donati is from House of Cards. He played a character named Seth. And then Elizabeth's doctor, who becomes her crew partner, a rowing partner, he's from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He plays uh, the captain's husband. So I, I, there's so many famous faces. Like, we'll, we'll get into it because there are more. 
than just that. There's a few characters who you'll definitely recognize from big shows like Big Bang Theory, Office, you know, so there's variety of famous faces in this. And I noticed that uh, Calvin, the actor that Calvin is Lewis Pullman, and that made me think, is he Bill, um, Bill Pullman's son or something? Yes, he is. And I, I did not know that. I think I saw something online when I was looking to see that this show was true, like uh, a tr true story or not. I just came across, you know, all these um, blurbs about the show. And it did say uh, Lewis Pullman, son of he looks just like his father. And I said, Oh, my God, yes, he does look like him. Like I didn't even realize it. Son of the greatest president in cinematic history. Don't at me. Independence Day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I just wish that we got to see more of him. You know, unfortunately, and obviously that's, I'm, I'm sure the story in the book as well follows, you know, closely. But we didn't see him for very long. Maybe, yeah. what, two episodes? Just under two episodes? At, at least as a living character. <laughs> right. Yeah um do, do you think may, maybe that maybe that whole taking a time period uh to borrow the way you phrase that a time period that was real but all the particulars of it are fictional maybe that gives like a more of a creative license to the writers to the producers so they can kind of have a little bit more freedom with uh not having to make sure everything they say is completely spot on some historians not to be watching the show I'm like no that's wrong you know I mean? Right. Trying to capture the attitude of the times, especially what they did with the Supper at Six show and mm -hmm. having Elizabeth empower all the women who are watching the show and coming to the studio. You had that woman who be ended up becoming a doctor or something or started going to school to become a doctor with Elizabeth's encouragement. So, yeah. And then the story with Harriet as well. I think they wanted to capture the what you know, African-Americans were dealing with at the, t at the time, but they didn't want to, you know, have the inaccuracies pointed out. So they just tried to convey the, the mood of the time. Right. Uh, speaking of moods, there was, uh, obviously, there was a <laughs> lot of science themes in this right. show. The two main characters are both chemists. Uh, the, and it was more, it was either science or science in the face of something else. So, there's a big science versus faith theme going on and which which one has more validity throughout the characters lives uh science versus the overruling societal prejudices that existed during this uh period of time in the country uh and we've seen a lot of shows either skate by and tease that that kind of woke ideology that uh studios like to do and other ones just blatantly throw it in your face. But this one, they it did it in a more realistic, classy way. Like, th there's issues that, you know, are serious issues that can be very interesting to watch as a consumer. And there's certain ways to tackle those topics without making the audience kind of give an eye roll or, you know... Like, okay, that doesn't seem realistic or something like that. You know, like this one I thought did that. It, it kind of kept it in more of a, okay, this was, this seems, this makes sense. This is very historic. This seems very historically accurate. Right. And it was, 
I, I think it was more of a neutral stance, right? You know, just exploring the situation that Harriet dealt with in her spare time as she was fighting for this certain situation. And, but it wasn't, it was just kind of giving her experience. It wasn't necessarily, you know, throwing it at you in some sort of slanted way. It was just showing you how she felt and what she felt day to day dealing with that situation. So I, I did think it was done nicely. It wasn't done so one-sided or I, I didn't roll my eyes once. So that was a departure from a lot of the limited series yeah. that we watched. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I won't say it, but we don't know what we're talking about. Um, right. But like, and, and it, not, and not just race, uh, their gender too. Cause obviously we're, you know, going back to a more patriarchal time, uh, which I thought some, I, I thought one, and I'm, I'm not, quoting this verbatim but uh when calvin and elizabeth first meet each other and they're discussing how the whole grant process works as far as who gets to submit it's a boys club that sort of thing uh, elizabeth's obviously brilliant but being a woman she's not gonna be able to uh do that or at least carry the paper or whatever um but he says like you know basing this on something so inconsequential as gender doesn't seem to make too much sense which obviously by today's standard, yeah, obviously, you know, if you're, if you're brilliant and you can figure out these equations and the science behind all this stuff, you know, who, who cares what's, uh, what's going on under your clothes, I guess, though, <laughs> not, not to make that too casual. <laughs> right. And it's, it's also the, uh, it's a never ending argument, right. Of like experience versus education. So because she had experience as a lab tech, she was very valuable, but she wasn't a PhD. So screw her. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, that was, of course, a story to that, which we can get into a little bit later on. But there was uh, something to that so far, as far as why she stopped it, uh, mm. you know, some explanations. And then the other side of it was, of course, race uh, and Calvin in a time when obviously uh, there wasn't a whole lot of co-mingling, I guess, so to speak, between uh, white communities and black communities. And he's this successful, seemingly well-off, I don't want to say wealthy, uh, but definitely well-off white man living in a predominantly black community. And it, and you know, being someone that was so uh, focused uh, and goal-oriented, task-oriented, I didn't care to him. He just, he wanted to live there because probably seemed like a, a fun little community and it was within a reasonable jog to his office. Right. That's, that's what I was going to say is I, I liked seeing the other side of how he arrived in that neighborhood. Uh, Harriet referenced that time in a conversation, but then they also showed that situation of, of her going over to the house to bring the new neighbor, you know, something, a casserole or a pie or something. And she hears this jazz music. So yeah. she assumes it's a black man that moved in. And to her surprise, it's this awkwardly dancing white guy. Yeah. So that, that whole story was funny. But then also the story, seeing the background of how he found it because he went on a jog and that's how he found the place. Yeah. And, and, and the jog was something that the jogging was something so um, in, in, integral to his 
character arc because that was how his he kept his head clear to figure out figure out his chemistry solutions and also how he died right <laughs> don't spoil it <laughs> <laughs> um and obviously the big one uh that's consistent throughout the show is of course science versus faith you've got these two people that oddly enough had a lot of although although calvin's you really didn't find out until the end of the show uh whereas elizabeth you found out pretty soon they both had a, a almost a very deep tie to religion mm. and faith early on and them being more strictly science-based as far as how they viewed the world and how things came to be they kind of rejected that quickly and it, it and it was and it, it kind of came back around to tying them the two together but throughout the show it was a kind of unspoken little fight going on between the two classic counterparts right well it was spoken a little bit i mean you had the elizabeth just always associating things with with logic and what makes the most sense versus emotion and feelings and those little things but i just i remember this i could not find it for the life of me after i watched this episode i should have you know gone back and written it down verbatim but uh I think it was the part where it was reading out, you know, in Elizabeth's voiceover, a note in uh, Mad's lunchbox. <laughs> and she said at the end of the note, and remember, God isn't real, but we respect people's belief systems, don't we? You know, something <laughs> like that. So I just thought that was hilarious. Uh, like it resonated with me, but also, you know, her being, have this big science mind and, trying to teach her daughter that yes like we don't believe in god necessarily but we we will respect people who you know act like there is a god and and so i thought that that was an important lesson you know for everyone or anyone all right and to 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 double down on that it's uh it's a, a lesson in tact that you know the, obviously the show's lessons in chemistry but stuff like that's <laughs> almost a lesson in tact as far as not just then, when you had like actual real life situations where people didn't like each other, outright hated each other over certain stupid things. But even nowadays, when people seemingly can't have a disagreement without being at barge with each other. So it's almost just like a lesson and just, you know, remember how to talk to people, even if you disagree with them. Right. Or it could be, you know, lessons in faith because. I, I liked the, we'll get into it a little bit further, but I liked the whole exchange, seeing or reading, hearing yeah. Wakely and in Calvin's letters, you know, and it seemed like Calvin really struggled with faith and Wakely kept telling him like, you'll meet someone and your life will be different. And, you know, come to find out that whole time that, Calvin had written to Wakely about Elizabeth and I I mean just everything changed for them she knew that she didn't want to get married she knew that she didn't want to have kids but she did want to want to live her life you know with a partner so yeah that whole just them meeting and and interacting and in, in building this life together that was uh, a testament of faith because calvin didn't think that that was possible elizabeth didn't think that was possible yeah 
And that, that uh, does set up our next topic because we always do our little film student session. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, so we're, we analyze character arcs, you know, what are your favorite uh, relationships, uh, the, the individual character dynamics. Uh, and I thought that going, we'll, we'll, we'll stay on topic with that one. Um, the in Mad's search to find out more about Calvin. And that leads her to lean on Wakely as a as an ally, as um, a resource. A resource, yes. Thank you. As a that and to to lean on him and find all this information. And they're going back and forth. They're having this whole relationship, picking it apart, picking apart um, her her investigation piece by piece. And all of a sudden, at the end, you know, the light bulb goes off. Where he sees her work, and it's like, wait a minute, your father's Calvin Ridley. And then that goes into the whole. Uh, reveal of Wakely and Calvin writing each other back and forth during uh, his, his Wakely's father's healthish situation mm. and, uh, and and Calvin's courtship of Elizabeth. Yeah, and he he helped a lot with that. He it, uh, Calvin's input kind of made all the difference in in Wakely's dad's uh, recovery or or uh, helping him through his health issues. Yeah, which almost comes back to tying together the whole, uh, I hate using the word coexist, but coexisting, you know, different uh, personalities and opinions, because obviously you've got this scientist who's a, a stated, self-stated atheist and, right. a, and a pastor. <laughs> and, and they are completely sell almost, I don't want to say selling each other, but for lack of a better term, selling each other on each other's opinions to get through their own, th their own circumstances. Yeah. I, I love that whole dynamic. I, I thought that Wakely was really cool as a character on his own. And I, I enjoyed that whole part where they were revealing the letters and also just revealing Calvin's history and what his life had been like. And we were learning that everything just wasn't as it seemed. Yeah. And uh, there was, it wasn't, now that was one of the bigger ones. There were some other ones too. And this one uh, kind of touches back on the kind of patriarch, patriarchal nature of the mm. times. But there's a lot of power dynamics in the studio. And uh, the studio head, Phil, which I had a, had a hard time not seeing Dwight Schrute the whole time. Yeah. Him. Uh, <laughs> but when he kind of, Forced when he was forcing his hand for supper at six to be a certain way after Elizabeth was very tepid to go into this career field and reinvent herself kind of and make the show her own and not just be a, a, a pretty face with a big dress on TV. And, and Walter was in lockstep with her the whole time. And then they get to the studio exec and he's it's like, no, 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 this is the way it's got to be. This is what people want to do. This is what men want to see when they come home after long days worth of work right <laughs> yeah i um i i mean i thought that rain wilson who you know Dw dwight shrew we know him he was a real jerk in this show he was so mean <laughs> but i i think that's what made walter and elizabeth so close is that he really stood behind her i and uh i i liked how they how they kind of started working together the whole thing with his daughter eating 
the lunches that Elizabeth had made. And then he what uh, he had some of her chicken pot pie or whatever it was and was just like, this is good. Then it kind of was an aha moment for him to put her on the show. But it just and he's also uh, I forget his character's name from Big Bang Theory. Oh, I knew I recognized him from something. The friend, right? Yes. Um, the comic book. Does yeah. he have a, a comic book store or something? Yeah. Um. Oh shoot. I, I stopped watching about. that show, I so I so about. I don't know. But he, yeah, I recognized him from that show. So yeah, I just loved how he always had her back, no matter what. And then it all, it all ended up paying off because. Phil was fired and then Walter <laughs> took over and he ran the show. So, and then it was even better that Fran, the, the lady that Elizabeth had worked with at the, um, the research place, she started working, she bumped into Elizabeth and she started working at the studio and she actually had a crush on Walter. And I, in the last scene where they're having a, a big party at like Elizabeth's house, uh, she's like sitting with Walter and Elizabeth walks by and she's like, I love this by the way. Like, you know, it's just, it's just awesome seeing kind of Elizabeth's like best girlfriend and then like her best guy friend together. So it was just kind of the perfect, perfect ending of, of what could be from their friendship. Uh, I, I, I didn't, I didn't write it down, but of course I, I don't know if we can move on without addressing the biggest character relationship in the show, and that's of course Elizabeth and Calvin. <laughs> right, true. Because I think that even though they were so similar, they I think they still learned a lot from each other. Like I think Calvin forced Elizabeth to kind of learn to trust again after her situations going through her, her um, PhD program, mm -hmm. and I feel like Elizabeth maybe not in a direct way, but force Calvin to kind of open up and maybe soften up a little bit and not be quite so rigid and set in his ways. Yeah, I think they, they both um, made each other better, didn't they? Yeah. Kind of, they, they loosened each other up so that they weren't so stuck, because they were both kind of stuck in their ways, very much so. Yeah, and they kind of almost created that kind of like perfect soulmate relationship almost right so that's why it was just so crushing yeah <laughs> and mind you only two episodes in <laughs> i was like i was like is this is this serious yeah i i don't know if you've ever seen the movie and honestly i don't know if i would recommend it um i what is it called love and other drugs when no 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 Actually, Am I mixing that up with another Anne Hathaway movie? Okay, so there's an Anne Hathaway movie, right? Where she's in love with this guy. There's this whole like montage of them being together. I think it's another movie. Maybe it's not Love and Other Drugs. But anyway, she's riding a bike and gets hit by and dies. Uh, this is Anne Hathaway, right? Yeah. I. Love and Other Drugs I saw so long ago. I'm almost having was it, trouble remembering. Was it Love and Other Drugs or was it a different movie? I want to say it came out like 2010, 2012, 2008, something like that. I can't think of what movie it is, but she's, yeah, she's, she's, or is it the guy that she's with is riding a bike and like everyone's happy, they're in love, and then bam, someone just dies. 
and the story flips. <laughs> That's what it reminded me of when he was yanking the leash, like from the dog. And then I, I was like, no, I was like, <laughs> I, I just couldn't believe that that was that that had happened. I was like, no, they can't do something like that. He's not going to die from getting yanked into the road by his dog's leash. Like, come on. Two episodes, two episodes. In. <laughs> I was just stunned. I, I, yeah. I mean, obviously I was sad, but I was like, no, no, you can't do that. No. <laughs> and we're just, we're just starting to learn this character and he's a great lovable character too. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing they had, I should have known because they had all these montages of them, you know, rowing together and on the lake together. And then the boat flips over, <laughs> like just all these gleeful moments. I had to know that something bad was going to happen. Mm -hmm. That one caught me off guard too. But despite the series in the show, there was some silly too. And, uh, yeah. of course, one of the, the first ones is the immediate, the preceding moments following Calvin's death. And that's the dog 630 um, <laughs> having this inner monologue going on. And, of course, they're going to do that. They can't give the dog, like, this serious voice like Shadow from Homeward Bound. They give the dog this, like, <laughs> silly, dopey voice. I'm like, I don't know if it, it didn't really fit. I don't know if a, the talk of a talking dog was kind of necessary. <laughs> I well, I think what they did was, you know, it was a really odd choice. I agree. It was a very odd choice. But they did use it as a storytelling technique. Because yes. when when Calvin died, Elizabeth was kind of just, she couldn't Numb. function. Like she, she was having a hard time like waking up and like functioning. So that's what they used as a storytelling technique to narrate what was going on. So the dog was like, oh, I can't believe I did this. I can't believe this is my fault, you know, <laughs> which was so bizarre. But I mean, it actually did. I don't know why it tugged on the heartstrings a little bit for me, but uh, it, it was very, very odd. It was a weird choice. I will agree with that. Especially since it just existed in like that episode. And then the rest right. of the show, 6.30 just goes back to being a regular dog in the show. Right. It was kind of like, yeah, it was like the 6.30 episode. Like the focus, <laughs> the episode focused on him. And um, so I remember, was it at the beginning of the credits of that episode where he was talking? I saw either at the beginning of the credits or the end of the credits. I saw like appearance by BJ Novak. And I'm like, wait. Wait, was it, he it voicing 6.30? Yes. And that's what I suspected because I'm like, I'm like, wait, I did not see BJ Novak in other office uh, alum in here. So I, I thought about it. I said, maybe that was him that because it did have kind of a young guy's voice. Yeah. Like, you know, they didn't make it sound like an old man or anything. So yeah, I looked it up. And sure enough, that was BJ Novak to, that did his voice. I didn't catch that at all. That's actually kind of hilarious. <laughs> I know. Now it's, we should go back and listen to it. But that's so weird that we had, you know, multiple office characters in in this show. Well, there wasn't like a, a poodle running around with Kelly's voice chasing him around. Thank God, because she <laughs> had a very annoying voice. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, speaking of the office, one, one thing... And I hate to typecast people, but seeing the Rain Wilson, aka Dwight Schrute, playing 
this super serious misogynistic corporate TV boss was. I think he's got to drill out. Like he's got to do a Bradley Cooper and drill out like thirty super serious roles to break the <laughs> Dwight Schrute typecast because it's still so hard to see him in any other role and not think Dwight. <laughs> I think he's. I think he's done a couple um, serious ish roles, um, but yeah, very minor roles. So I think this was a little bit a little bit different for him to be like you know the head cheese of the station. So he was like the legit boss, but I, I think I, I I have seen him play executives or something like this maybe mm-hmm. once or twice before. I can't remember what, but I, yeah. So it was a pretty legit role for him to uh, to figure out. Yeah. Um. So <clears throat> there's a lot of open ended subtopics throughout this show that were kind of started and not really closed out nicely with a bow um and one of them just because it it popped into my memory it was so early on and it popped in my memory as we were as we've been talking then that's the one of why elizabeth didn't finish her phd why she always Mm. needs the door left open and it seemed like she was coming out of that and getting ready to be more trusting with other people or, or maybe just with men as her relationship with Calvin grew. But as soon as he died, it was just kind of never addressed again. The show kind of moved on to other things. And it's like, well, that's a pretty serious aspect to her personality and her character arc. And they just kind of left it as is and never, never circled back and tied, tidied it up. I wonder, yeah, I wonder if that was explored a little bit more in the book and that was something that was kind of cut short in the mm-hmm. show. It kind of makes me wonder because I, yeah, I mean, that is a pretty big issue. And uh, I don't know that she she didn't really ever explain to him, right? Yeah. She didn't really say like, oh, like it was just kind of okay between them. It wasn't like she just said, oh, just so you know, like the reason I was acting that way is because of my past. And like there was never that divulging. It was just kind of a mutual understanding of like, okay, I don't hate you. Like that was something else. Like that wasn't you. Like, yeah, there wasn't really a a direct conversation about it. Correct. No, that's right. I don't. She didn't. She didn't. She never told Calvin. Right. Why? Like what happened that her old professor locked her in the room, came at her, tried to assault right. her, you know, tried to rape her. That, that like the, she never actually told Kevin what happened. So like Right. It's like, just like the you viewer said, knew. Yeah, the viewer right. knew, but um he didn't know. Yeah, like you said, unless it was something that was something left in the book and they ne- and they never brought it into the show in a visual way, unless it was unless it was something like that. But as far as watching the show as a consumer as a viewer that you definitely never saw her tell him what exactly happened in that room. It was like you said, just a mutual understanding that there's something bad happened and this is the way it, this way needs to be. Right. Yeah. I guess, yeah. Thinking of that, I guess it never really was resolved. And, um, you know, there was another, well, there's a couple other things that weren't resolved. The, the kind of the, open-ended relationship of of Calvin's mother you know once it was revealed that 
Calvin's mother is actually alive. You know, he thought that it was uh, a farce that he was getting these, mm-hmm. these letters and he just thought it was all, uh, it was all people trying to, you know, because of his reputation, trying to get in, in contact with him. So when, when you found out she was alive, you're like, what? That changes everything. That just makes you sad because you're thinking about how he could have had a relationship with his mother this whole time. And he thought that she didn't want him and, or didn't care about him. And um, I, I loved the fact that she actually wanted a relationship with Matt and Elizabeth. She, she was like, well, my son's not here. So the next best thing is, is to spend time with you guys. And she was, you know, there at the end at that party they had at the house. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you don't really know. I mean, Elizabeth does say, yeah, that sounds good, but we're going to need some time. And then you see her in the scene at the end, but that, that wasn't really, um, yeah, it wasn't really ended. Like you mentioned in a, in a nice wrapped up in a nice, pretty bow. Yeah. And and that, uh, um, especially because that's such a big mic drop moment. Like this, this, this is everything. Elizabeth, this is basically an opportunity well, I guess not really, because she didn't know Calvin her whole life. Mm. Um, but this is almost a a, a, a side way to kind of get to know Calvin after his death. Is like, okay, you get to you knew him enough, you get to know his mother. You see some similarities. Like, okay, well, that's you know, I see that's like you know, nature versus nurture. Some things you just mm. you just transpose from your parents, and that was such a big mic drop to to see, and then for the only resolution we saw as the audience to be her professional resolution. She moving up, moving on from supper at six, going back to the lab or at least teaching, um, t- teaching chemistry. Like for that to be the only resolution. Okay. Well, what about mad? Obviously mad's not in the lab. You know, there's, right. there's, there's a resolution with this new character for her, not just Elizabeth. I, yeah, I guess you can assume that there is a relationship going forward. It's just that it's not really spelled out in in clear terms. Maybe it's maybe it's spelled out better in the book. Maybe there's a little bit more of a of a happy ending or a defining of their relationship. Yeah, um, and then the other cause this one also happened at the end of the show. Actually, the next two I guess did as well. Um, the outcome of the freeway project. This was a consistent theme throughout the movie. Calvin was involved in help trying yeah. to help with this. Elizabeth wound up helping out Harry with this. And Harriet finally had this moment of victory at the end where she swayed that last council member to change his vote to, to hold up the project. And then at the end, they're at the hearing and the guy's, you know, visibly freak, visibly freaking out. He, and, and he turns on a dime and he, and he just votes to approve the thing. And then Elizabeth and Harriet are just sitting in the dining room having a snack and a beer or whatever and it's like well i mean the freeway is going to come through your neighborhood right you're just gonna (laughs) you're not not even going to address this (laughs) yeah i i was a little bit confused about that because wasn't that you know didn't elizabeth go on supper at six to uh to plug that yeah and and that that was what made them lose the sponsor (laughs) right that was what made them lose the sponsor and then um i the part when you know, Harriet was basically celebrating in the office. She was like, we got it. We got that last person. And so she really thought that she had it. And then, so then, you know, it just turns on a dime and 
it's her coming to Elizabeth and she's like, just a wreck. And she's like, I, I just need to be sad right now. Or I just need to be right now because she, she was just beside herself. Um, you know, that, that heartbreaking moment, but yeah, like you said, what, what happens after that, you know? (laughs) I mean, it's based off of a book. You'd think like, this is the show, (laughs) but I don't know. Maybe they got it planned for something else. (laughs) Yeah, anyway. how is that? How is it still a happy ending? Um, yeah. yeah, that was a little confusing. But uh, before we get to forecasting, we had a couple more. Uh, so one of them was this story of the boys' school, the the priest and head of the head at the head of the boys' school lying to Calvin, and in turn lying to Wilson, and uh, in in effect lying to Calvin's mother. Um, keeping them each in the dark like why why did like that's another thing that was never tied up i mean he clearly lied he was clearly lying to calvin about his parents not wanting him right he was lying to wilson about calvin even being alive and then he lied to elizabeth and mad i'm assuming he was a much older man I'm assuming it was the same priest uh, right he lied to them about oh i don't have this guy i don't have this calvin evans records they they were lost in a fire and he says it with like such an unbelievable tone of voice, like that guy's lying his tail off. Yeah, I, I I still am not sure why he lied about it. Is it is it just that he for some reason didn't like Calvin? He didn't want him to be adopted. He didn't want you know anyone to find him or to know where he was. Like why why was this priest so determined to make Calvin's life miserable? I, yeah. I, I just don't really understand that. Like, I thought they were, I thought they were going to go down some like infidelity type of stuff. And was like, Oh no, we're doing this now. But <laughs> like they, there was I mean, a whole conspiracy or yeah. like a reason why he had it out for him. Yeah. And he's a child. Like, you know, he was what, like eight years old or something. It's just why, why do you have such a, uh, a grudge against this little boy. Yeah, I, I but, just didn't really understand that part. And they didn't, it's not like they didn't set anything up to be, to make it like the priest assessed that you know, Calvin's gift for science is intelligence. And it's like, I'm going to keep him here and I'm going to foster his intelligence, that sort of thing. They didn't do anything like that. So. And like, this is yeah, a priest we're talking about. Like, this is supposed to be a man of God and he ruins this kid's life. <laughs> yeah. Very, what kind very of priests odd. are, yeah, what kind of priests are you guys having in the Catholic Church that are going to ruin a little boy's life? <laughs> well, that, that's a, uh, that's an open ended question. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> um, the last one, I mean, we're talking all this stuff, making we think, making people think we hate the, hate the show, but I, th- no, I, I don't, don't want to speak for all. you, but I very much enjoyed it. Um, no i did i did too um so i i was a little worried about you know the the big thing happening in in episode two but after that i i very much enjoyed it yeah so we'll uh be a little more positive right now i noticed there was an internet theory excuse me internet internet's internet theory um (laughs) that that elizabeth was autistic Mm. And truth, truth, I saw be, that too. And truth be told, after seeing that, there's, I, I think there's some ties that Calvin could be as well. Uh, mm. I, for one, did not notice these little intricacies at, uh, before become before seeing this little theory. 
Uh, but uh, being autistic myself, they also just kind of seemed, you know, more normal to my own sense of norm, nor normalcy. And it kind of there, you know, there were just, you know, they can't, can't lie. They were both uh, very intent on eye, on eye contact and very focused, very driven, uh, goal oriented, task oriented, that sort of thing. Like there, so I think that there could be, and I, maybe this, maybe it was revealed, maybe it's revealed in the book at some point, but I don't know. But I, I do think that there's definitely some credence to this theory of um, uh, Calvin, Elizabeth, and probably Calvin both having ties to autism or something. I, I definitely saw it um, more so with Elizabeth. I mean, not saying Calvin couldn't be, but I. I, I did, you know, when I was looking up whether this was a true story or not, I did come across, you know, people saying that they they think Elizabeth's character is is autistic. And I before I read that, I did kind of get that same sense. Reason being, uh, again, another I don't even know. I, I don't watch Big Bang Theory. You know, I stopped watching it. So Long time ago. again, but <laughs> another reference to uh, Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory. There's you know, Sheldon is very particular. He's very intelligent. There's been, I, I think over the years, people have kind of had the theory that Sheldon from Big Bang Theory is an autistic character. And the way that she, um, she didn't really know how to act in situations. She was very socially awkward. She was very, um, and I would I mean, I wouldn't say that this was the case, but I would say that people would think that she comes off as being stiff or kind of cold. And it's just because she doesn't really know how to express herself or how to deal with people. Mm -hmm. So um, it reminded me of, of Sheldon, how he just had a hard time connecting with people. So, you know, I think it was like Penny or somebody who who told him something sad or, you know, something had happened. She had been going through a breakup or something on the show. And he was just like, Oh, okay. Would you like a hot beverage? Like trying to comfort her. Like that's the only thing he knew to say to comfort her, but he just, you know, it just seemed very stiff coming from him. Like, it's like, Oh, do you want a hug? Like, you know, it's just not the most welcoming, comforting thing to say to someone, but it's, you know, what only what you know. So, so yeah, I did kind of see glimpses of that. And I, you know, throughout, I, I feel like when she did have mad, she was different. Right? Yes and no. Um, that actually just popped, it just popped up my head because her strategy in raising mad was very regimented. There was, True. A, there was a routine to everything they do. And routine is something that uh autistic people t tend to thrive in so th that i that was another thing that lended it's lended the theory for me to believe it's like that makes sense that 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 is definitely something that a parent with autism would do in raising their child right in the way that she was so detailed with making the lunches and stuff and mm -hmm. i yeah i mean i i, I feel like i I, I kind of related to her character, you know, I, 
especially the time period that we're in. And even now, I mean, they, they have a hard time even now diagnosing uh, girls with autism. So it's very possible that someone who's like Elizabeth back in that day, or even now, I mean, I like wonder about myself sometimes, like, I don't, you know, I have certain things that I've always done. And um, it kind of makes me wonder, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's very possible that, that she could be on the, on the spectrum somewhere, uh, you know, being that intelligent and being, you know, hyper-focused on science and being a, a, a person of routines and doing things a certain way and kind of being uncomfortable with change. And, and hats off to Brie Larson for being able to portray that in a very believable sense, because there's mm. a lot of times where shows cast actors to portray someone with autism and it's like it's either a not believable or it's like 95 or it's like 90 percent believable but the other 10 percent is extremely unbelievable um so i mean i no one needs no one needs to say no one needs to say any more about react reacting Brie larson's acting ability because we know she's exceptional but right in, in this particular case uh, she, if, if that, if that was something she was set out to achieve in her portrayal, she knocked it out of the park. Right. And I mean, uh, to that same note, um, you know, the fact that she's not a real autistic person, like, is that offensive to you or do you think offensive to others? I wouldn't think uh, for me, no, because at the end of the day, they're actors. Mm. I mean, no character they portray uh, is going to be a direct one-to-one representation of how someone actually is in the real world. Right. Because, so, I, I mean, everyone's everyone's different. They're all on different ends of the spectrum. So mm -hmm. even someone uh, representing how a certain person is is not going to be like this person over here is experienced. Right. 100%. Um now, granted, this was an extremely limited series, <laughs> and being based off of fictitious, uh, bi here I go again, biopic, biopic, something in the comments tell me, <laughs> um, not really intended for long runs, but uh, I don't, but then again, we talked about all these open-end things, who knows, maybe there are plans to do uh, uh, additional seasons, but what was your overall impression about Lessons in Chemistry? I mean, I, I overall really, really enjoyed it. I, I think I'm not really, you know, I was a person that used to watch the Golden Globes, used to watch the Oscars and all of that. I, if this thing is not nominated for something for a Golden Globe, I'll be very, very surprised. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think Brie was phenomenal. Uh, and I, I also wanted to give uh, the actress who played Harriet's name, Asia... Naomi King. I think she deserves an award for supporting actress. She like, and, and that was another relationship we didn't really discuss uh, was uh, Elizabeth and Harriet, just their neighborly friend relationship. Like so many moments of theirs, like had me in tears, like just, you know, when, when mad was born and, you know, Elizabeth's like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And uh, Harriet, um, I'll paraphrase, you know, says that whole thing about, well, you know, you know that you can't do it, but 
you just expand. That's what you do. Like that whole moment was just like, I was just like bawling. I was like, this is, this is amazing television. And if she doesn't get anything for that performance, like I will be devastated on her behalf. And, and additionally, her relationship with her husband in the show, Charlie, that, that scene where after he comes back from the war and he wants to go back to his medical practice, and obviously mm. that's going to make things further complicating with, you know, her uh, status as her pursuing her legal career with raising their children. And that creates a very heated debate. And I thought that scene was very powerful as well uh, from an acting standpoint. And uh, right. bring it on the screen. Yeah, that whole, like, you know, you mentioned earlier, not just uh, racial issues and gender issues, but also like marriage dynamics and and um gender roles because you know she she was like wait but you've you've gone off and you just want me to stay home like i don't want to stay home i want to be a lawyer you know it's mm -hmm. just it's like what about me and what about my happiness and what i want to do like why am i reserved to just stay at home and watch the kids and make dinner that's not fair so yeah. that, that that was a whole nother you know conf conflict and issue of the time yeah I mean, I I definitely wouldn't mind if they produce more seasons of this. I, I don't know how they do it. I don't know anything about the book series. I don't know the book. I don't know if it was just a singular book and this was just I kind think of it is. A yeah, I think it version. is just one book. Um, yeah, so I don't know how they would make additional seasons out of it, but I mean overall I overall I didn't have any complaints. There were some things I'm, you know, questioning a little bit, but they didn't ruin my they didn't ruin my impression of the show. No, even even a talking dog couldn't ruin it. I mean, there were <laughs> like I said it it tugged on the heartstrings and I I felt like I'm like, "Uh, I felt guilty for that." I'm like, "Really? I'm you know, this is tugging on my heartstrings. Why? It's a talking dog." 603 didn't 603 started the fire. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. I had to, had to get that in. <laughs> with this new knowledge of it being Ryan. <laughs> I so so bizarre. Uh well, we're not bizarre, or maybe we are. Uh follow us along on Instagram and TikTok. Uh binge the gins binge the ginge dots between the words on Instagram, but not on TikTok. And mm -hmm. uh nutmeg to Palmetto on both Instagram and TikTok. That is the number two. Give us both follows. Stay tuned to the show on all of our platforms. Uh, if you like our, our, if you like to see our faces and fiery ginger hair, uh, video wise, that's YouTube and Rumble. And if you're on the go and still want to tune in audio wise, that would be Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Until the next real review, Red or Red, signing out.